I invite all those who are up through the 12th grade to come forward. you're not oh you're still wobbling <laughs> is that hard for you you can sit on that if you need to <laughs> good morning everyone what a wonderful crazy service this is huh it, music is beautiful do you know what it's all about while we're doing this today what's going on today all saints, all saints. and what does that mean who are the saints of God when you think of saints who do you think of like we just read from the Gospel of St. John, didn't we? So St. John, he's a saint. What about in the, in the stained glass window? We've got Jesus, of course, but the Good Shepherd, but we've got St. John, and we've got St. Barnabas, and we've got St. Dorcas, right? Those are saints. People in the Bible were saints. Are there any other saints that we know of? How about Grandma? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Grandpa, mom, dad? How about those who have gone on before? Those who have, who have passed on, who have died and gone to be with the Lord forever. That's what this music is about. We're, pray, we're remembering, we're praying, huh? What? We're remembering all these wonderful saints of God. People who loved the Lord Jesus, believed in him with all their heart and tried to live for him. That's a saint of God. You're a saint, you're a saint, you're a saint, I'm a saint. We're trying to live for God because we believe in the Lord Jesus. So remember all the saints of God. These, these words that we're singing in, in the music, they're all Latin. It's not English. That's why you don't understand it. But it's Latin, but it's asking God's rest eternal to be upon them. To, and all these other wonderful words for these saints of God who have gone to be with the Lord forever, who are in a much better place than we are right now where we will all be someday. So we will be there. Saints, whether or without humor of Christianity, every saint, whether they're starting to be a Christian or have already been a Christian, who... Those who have died in the past, and those now, right? And those... Everyone who's taught, everyone who's turned to God, a Christian... Everyone who's turned to God... Through Jesus Christ is a Christian. The Bible says do not be afraid. And the Bible says do not be afraid. Right. Right. Saints aren't afraid. There's no fear in heaven. Yeah. Saints yeah. is basically a Christianity thing. Yeah. Saints is basically a Christianity thing. I think that is so true because we have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be a Christian. Yes, I know. There are people who are not Christians who don't believe. And so that makes our, our job much more important, doesn't it? To tell everybody, to bring people to Jesus so that they can love him too and have eternal life with God. I'm going to tell you my memory verse. You're going to tell me your memory verse? No, I want to hear her memory verse. Go ahead. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be 
with you wherever you go. Amen. Joshua 1.9. That's wonderful. Good for you. Good job. No, that was perfect. Thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, um, thank you for coming up. Remember that you are a saint of God, and we're, we're, we're remembering all the saints of God today, okay? Including those that you have known and loved. It's okay. It's okay. You, you, are you good? Are you good? I am. Okay, let's go. Go back to your places, and you can get a you can get a you can get something to color on right over here if you want, Chloe. Chloe, you don't want anything, okay? And Deacon Jennifer is going to preach. Nope, not following that. <laughs> There's something about a kid in Scripture that just. Give me a moment. <laughs> All right, Father. Thanks for that one. Oh, happy All Saints Day. Today, we are celebrating all of those who've gone before us and are now in the presence of God. We all know many of the saints by name because of their stories. There are the apostles who first shared the faith that has come down to us. And then there are those brave fighters and defenders of the faith, like St. Augustine. And then, of course, there are men and women who stood firm in their faith in spite of persecution and trials, like Joan of Arc and the first martyr, Stephen. Many others we know because we shared life with them, our friends, our family. And they're not necessarily recognized by the church universal, like St. John is, but we know them. And there are many others who will remain nameless in our lifetime and beyond, but are always, always remembered and known by God. Sainthood is not for the cowardly. It requires an intentional living of one's life for God, a, sacrifice, a sacrificial life made possible only through the grace of God. And his grace is what I want to talk about today. You know, it's not every day that you run across a book or an article that makes a huge impact on your thinking, hopefully on your life, but I have come across such a book recently. And I know that sermons are not supposed to be book reports, but this book's coverage of grace was too good not to pass it along to you. It's given me much to think about, and I hope that it will do that and bless you as well. The book is titled Knowing God, and it's written by the famous and Anglican theologian, J.I. Packer. He has written countless articles, books, essays, pamphlets, but his main concern was always that the every man, the you and I of the world, should be able to understand the Bible. It was his life's work. Now, he has been considered one of the 25 most influential 
evangelicals. But I think one of the most incredible things about his life is that even though he was so well known in theological circles, you could find him sitting in a small living room talking with teenagers about God just as often as you would find him in a huge auditorium filled with academicians. I think that's amazing. But Packer knew that his calling was to be wherever God called him to be. Though he has gone on, another saint in the heavenly realm, his influence is felt on many who have read his works. So what did he say in knowing God that I think is important enough to almost plagiarize him in this sermon? It's in his chapter on the grace of God that I'd like to grab a few ideas and share them with you. Grace is a word that we throw about rather freely, but I think that we could always use a reminder slash refresher on it. Packer acknowledges that Christianity is known as the religion of grace. And rather than being like a celestial electricity received, like a battery charge, grace is more of a personal activity. God operating in love toward his people. Grace is, in his terms, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense, not ours. It's a gift from God that comes in many forms. And because people feel that they have not experienced grace in, this li in their lives, probably because they're not clear on what it is, they tend to disregard it. But I will tell you right now that without God's grace, you and I would not even be in this church this morning, or any other morning for that matter. We all understand too well the realities of life, uh, paying bills, raising children, holding down jobs. Those are things that we can relate to and share with one another. We understand that. But when we talk about the realities of God's grace, most of us go, oh, yeah, um, I believe in that, without really knowing what it is we're believing. People feel almost like they can live without it because, I mean, they seem to be doing that anyway, don't we? <laughs> but to fully appreciate grace requires an understanding of who we really are and what we were really destined for before God came into our lives. Packer says, before grace, we were creatures fallen from God's image. We were rebels against God's rule. We were guilty and unclean in God's sight. We were fit only for God's condemnation. And when I hear that, 
I can imagine a trash heap filled with people trying to claw their way to the top of the heap unsuccessfully. As humans, we want to see ourselves in a much better light than we actually have a right to. And because we see our dimly lit shadows as better than they truly are, we tend to think that God agrees with that illusion. But is that what we really want from our God? Wouldn't that make him like us? How would that get us out of that trash heap? Fortunately, God holds to the standards that he first set out in the scriptures. He is unchanging in his ways, and his standards are unchanging also. And because he holds out for the best, those nagging Ten Commandments, because he holds out for those, we are the better for it. We need to let go of the idea that we can raise ourselves up to a higher position on our own. Because that is not true. And because where we are is where God's grace is at its best. And before you get all huffy about being called guilty and unclean or condemned, Hey, deacon, I come to church regularly. I pray often. I even read scriptures on a daily basis. Let me let you know now that none of those things, as good as they are, none of those things will get you into heaven. But understand, too, that God loves you way too much to leave you there. Packer says... The New Testament sets forth the grace of God in three particular connections. And these connections are our lifesavers from that trash heap. So let's look at them. The first is, grace is the source of pardon for our sins. This means that because of God's grace, not something I did, because he set in motion those events that led us to him, and because we cannot come to him on our own, God's grace has transformed us from a condemned criminal awaiting a terrible and eternal sentence to that of an heir awaiting a fabulous inheritance. He chose to have us in his life. It was his free decision. Second, grace is the motive of the plan of salvation. God wanted to dispense his grace on us. He wants to pardon us for our sins. And while pardon is the heart of the gospel, it's not the whole doctrine of grace. Our conversion, all of us being here, is not an accident. 
We were a part of God's plan from the beginning. His salvation plan always included you and you and you and you and me and all of you. Trust this. God called you. You answered that call. Had he not called you, you wouldn't even believe in him at this moment. Third, Packer tells us that grace is the guarantee of the preservation of the saints. That means we don't have to fear that we will lose our faith. We don't have to fear that our faith will fail us. Not in those moments of our greatest doubts and hesitations, not even in the depths of our continual sinning, and not in our neglect of that faith. Grace led me to faith. Grace will hold me to that faith. That's a guarantee from God. The only way you could lose that is to intentionally renounce him. So looking at these three connections, grace as the source of forgiveness from God, grace as the motive for God sending his only son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to pay for the sins of those he loves, and grace as the guarantee that we can't lose that faith or our salvation because of our continuous wretchedness, those connections, all freely given by God, Hold us firmly in his grip. He will not lose one of those he has chosen. Knowing these things, we should find ourselves gaping in awe and wonder that God thought us worth everything he has given us, especially Jesus dying on the cross, to give us everything. And if we can begin to grasp this truth, the truth that God's grace is in us and among us always, then we can feel that love of his love, of his awakened love in return. We can love because he loves us. This return of love is what gives us that desire to give pleasure back to God, manifested in our church attendance where we can worship the majesty of the grace giver and can break bread together in remembrance of the sacrifice he made for us. Manifested in our prayers, where we build our relationship with the Father who loves us beyond comprehension. Manifested in the care of the church, that's you folks, where we bond with one another, where we're surrounded and we're taught and we're encouraged to grow and continue on that narrow path. Manifested in the works that God gives us and shares with us so that it fills us with even more love, which in turn fills us with even more desire to do even more. And that leads us into that never-ending dance with the Trinity. This is what the saints knew then. 
this is what we know now, that our lives are forever entwined with God, that our lives are forever filled with God's love, and that our unworthiness, that trash heap, has been changed into an inheritance of the greatest riches of all, and all because of God's grace. It is our all and our everything. And I pray that we may come to that knowledge while we are still here on earth, and that we can unashamedly share that with everyone around us. Amen?